Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thanks for joining us another Friday. We've made it another edition of Take Two. It's been another big political week. I keep waiting for a week where there's nothing to talk about. And it It'll just, never happen. It just does not happen. And Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox is the big talker this week. That's right. Um, I actually spoke to him recently and asked if he was going to announce, and he did announce that he's running for governor, if he would like to be on our podcast someday if someone else I knew possibly ran. He said yes. We'll get to that in just a minute. Okay. Uh, he couldn't handle this podcast. This is a very, you know, this is this is a high oh, I bar. Th- I think it's he could. Yeah. This is not like Cox and Friends. This Cox would be Friends. like, you know, this is Hatch and Friends. Yeah, Cox this, and a brain. This is this is an arena in here. It's with, true, with but this a is different ex- point of view. This is exciting because game on. But it's a long game on at this point. We've got almost eighteen months till the election. Um, Let's talk before we talk about anything else. That there are many, many other names who so many names. could possibly so many, announce. So many names. Uh, I've heard Greg Hughes may run. I heard Heidi Hatch may run. I actually I have know. thought about running. I don't you know should. if 2020 is my year. Might run. Yeah, he's. I mean, why the, stop? I mean, just keep going. <laughs> Once you get the machine going, Jim, you could take one, take two, take three. You keep going. I feel like I got to start on a city council or someplace else first before they let me run. No. But Greg, you are on a long list. We'll get to that list in sure. a minute of names that are bantied around. On a one to ten serious level, this do you have a number or does it depend on yeah, the day? But no, I, I will tell you, I. I I've enjoyed public policy. I was served in the legislature for 16 years. I was in legislative and house leadership for eight of those 16 years and, and served as speaker for four years. And I do. I, I do love public policy. And so um, I, I think it's important that you get in, you serve in the legislative body. It's a part-time. You have a day job. You have other responsibilities. It takes it's, it's, it takes its toll. But I miss it, and I miss public policy. I think there's a lot going on in Utah uh, that that will require heavy lifting, and so I've I have seriously looked at at that race, and I would put it in the the seven to eight uh, ca- uh, category in terms of uh, seriousness of of that race. But I am looking at it. Seven to eight is fairly high. Yep. Uh, Jim's involved in a race of his own, so we'll leave him there. The Salt Lake mayoral race, but there's a lot of other names on this list. Uh, Jeff Birmingham, who is a Utah County businessman, I know he's been fundraising. John Huntsman Jr., which I think is probably the biggest name. The big gorilla. The, the, John Huntsman is in Moscow thinking and contemplating and somewhere, somehow, pretty soon, I would think, he's going to have to make a decision. Yes, I'm running. No, I'm not running. But whatever Cox is saying and whatever the rest of the field are saying, they have an eye out to John Huntsman Jr. because you throw that name and that money and that experience in and it becomes an entirely different race. So let's talk about uh, Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox basically set, I guess, a timetable for some people in some aspects. How soon would a Huntsman have to announce that he's running? 
Well, I, th I think that Jim is right. I think that that would be a tour de force. I think he's been our governor. It's, it's happened in this country before where someone has served as governor and they've come back and run and has successfully won re-election or election and become governor. So I think that it, you would be crazy to assume a field uh, and not think that it would change drastically if uh, former Governor Huntsman were to enter into the race. I think that gives everybody who looks at that race some pause. I, on a personal level, uh, have been close with that family, with uh, Huntsman's father, John Huntsman Sr. And uh, I think that the, thing, the contributions to our state uh, that, that the state of Utah has uh, benefited from are limitless and countless. And I think that it, it does. I think it's a, it's a big, big deal. You know, he will have a shorter runway than the, the little guys that may want to run in terms of how long it would take him to ramp up a campaign. But I think that if he's not able to make a decision uh, sooner rather than later, then you'll see a lot of people without knowing that are just going to get in and they're going to – and I think some will be – will not be persuaded either, either way. I don't know if yeah. the, the announcement this week would change at all if uh, Governor Huntsman were to get in that race. True, and there's a lot of names on the list. Congressman or former Congressman Jason Chaffetz. Uh, Amy, Amy Winder Newton was one of the more recent ones, yep. and I think it would be great – if we're going to have a huge mix, to have some women, at least one woman in the mix there. Uh, Representative County, Rob uh, Bishop. Yeah, she's County, on the Salt Lake County, County Council. Which... So I think that um, we've got a good mix here of people. It could definitely get to be bigger. Did I forget anyone in the list? Um, I feel like... Uh, Attorney General Sean Reyes. Sean Reyes, possibly, Sean yes. Reyes, Thomas Wright, we Thomas said. Thomas Wright. Um, look, he was the he, state party, Republican Party chair. Let me Let me talk directly to the people of Utah. Okay, good. This is a podcast, but you look at the camera for the people who are watching. So those Democrats, we're screwed here. <laughs> this is a good I mean, group we're of We're not even, there aren't any whispers. There isn't anybody maneuvering around. There is not a soul who wants to run for governor. So I am appealing to you now. <laughs> We may all need to become Republicans and go oh. get registered for the Republican primary if we don't come up with a candidate. I mean, the problem is last time. There's really no Michael Weinholz. Not nothing. a soul. There's nobody I know that's yeah. thinking about running. Michael Weinholz spent three and a half million dollars last time. A terrific business guy. Started with nothing. Ended up with a multi-billion-dollar company. Uh, would have been so much better a governor than Herbert, I mean, on so many levels, and yet, you know, pay-to-play Gary won again in a landslide. <laughs> I, I was about to compliment Jim for, the, 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 the you know, being real, keep saying, not having fake news, and all of a sudden he went off. He went Don't fake I, news. Don't yeah. do that. Here's the situation, He wouldn't have been though. better than the governor now. Hopefully no someone way. will, some names will he start going. Have. And I was impressed in these last congressional races that we had some women running, strong women, made them a name for themselves. Jenny Wilson ended up as the Salt Lake County Mayor, uh, Shireen Gurbani on the council there. So I think that we have good people out there. We Jenny lost by stand up. 50 and Shireen lost by 25. I mean, I, and look, I'm saying we ought to run and we have to find a candidate, but I agree kind of with the focus on Let's focus on the places we absolutely are competitive rather than spend millions of dollars on a gubernatorial yeah, race yeah. that we're not going to be competitive on. It is so we've got to make sure that the right Republican wins. Is there any chance that Governor Herbert might be like, meh, I'm going to do it and run again? He's 71, but... Yeah, no, I, I you know, it's, it's 
he's entitled to change his mind at any time. He and could run as a Democrat. And, and he, he would not do that. As soon as Here's that came out of my mouth, I said, this no, segment no, 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 no. this topic. If you have an open seat for governor in our state, which doesn't happen very often, yeah. you want a deep field. You want a lot of people to step forward. Because in reality, without an incumbent, nobody is really running against one another in that race. There is a case to be made to the citizens of this state and let the, the most compelling narrative the, and let the leadership of those candidates shine through and let the people decide. And I'm telling you, the deeper the, the pool and the more earnest that campaign season is, Utah wins. And so I, I think, it's, I think that we'll see even names we're not even discussing now. My hunch is with an open seat, you will see people uh, step forward. I do think that the big X factor is uh, Ambassador Huntsman. I yeah. think that that will uh, change some people's uh, vision of the field. Uh, but I do believe that all, even if uh, John Huntsman Jr. were to decide to do it, for the benefit of the state, we need a deep pool and, uh, and, and a I robust got an idea. debate. Absolutely. A okay. dead pool or a deep pool? A deep, deep pool. pool. Okay. Yeah. Look, Huntsman, here's the offer. Do you have an offer <laughs> for I think him? I speak for everyone in Utah. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I'm careful. He, Jim, yeah, Jim does that. If you'll he come thinks, home. He thinks Utah's the avenues, by the way. He, he does. Yeah. If you'll come <laughs> home and run, speaking for most Democrats, we will totally get behind you. If you run against Trump in a Republican primary, that's <laughs> where you need to run. Run, baby, run. You know what? The Constitution is hanging by a thread, and I uh, think that's you're meant to come uh, home and run for president. You did it after you left Ambassador last time, right? You came back and you ran against the that person true, that uh, the appointed was you. Wrong, though, because Romney was already in the race and... No, no, remember, Obama appointed him to be an yes. ambassador. He came home and ran against the guy that appointed him in history. You know how it repeats itself? Yeah. Come home, run against Trump. I personally, let me be there. I'll be there with the first money. money. Oh, gee, oh, good. I'm ready Daddy to go. Warbucks I don't think he needs go. your cash. Okay, Although I'm pretty sure money. President Obama put him on another continent on purpose, hoping that he wouldn't run against him. It didn't him. work. No, it did not. He came home. All right, well, this is exciting. Uh, Spencer Cox has got us talking about this. We love your green uh, logo. Uh, and you're going to have to all step up your Twitter game because I feel like he's owning the millennial oh Utah gosh, Jazz crowd. I have no Twitter game. That's right. I, I know. So that's here. where you've got to step it up. And he did tell me not too long ago that if you both decide to run, that he would come on the podcast. I said, could you wrestle? He said, that might be weird. So maybe no wrestling, <laughs> just talking. But hopefully uh, we could join the two podcasts so together. I, but we'll yeah, have to wait right. and see. I was... I when I retired, they came up with a retirement video, you know, no watch. Or you anything. have to have a job to retire first, right? Yeah. So okay. this is from the Senate. So they oh, interview the Cox. <laughs> and Cox says, Craig was really good. Cox, here's what Cox said. Well, the first time I met Tabacus, we were at Utah Valley University, and we were dedicating some government building. And this guy started talking to me, and I, I, I didn't really know him, and, uh, and I didn't know him. He was a freshman legislator, not, nothing lower than a freshman House member. So we just started and talking. And so you didn't talk to the new kids? No, no, I mean, I, I talked, you know, we, we talked, and I said, gee, you have a nice suit on. And then now Cox is telling the story many years later, and he says, <laughs> Tobacco said I had a great suit on, which wasn't true. I don't dress well. He said, I think he was trying to pick up on me. <laughs> Spencer, are you, I'm are a you married man. Something? I just want to say that. Wow. 
That's what well, he said in the, hello, in the retirement video. Well, we Abby, too, but um, Abby seems to be open to him thinking other boys look cute or whatever, because she likes a lot of the Utah Jazz boys. <laughs> We're going to get in trouble if talking Abby about would this run, on the podcast. That Ooh, would be something. Like, maybe she, she could be is, lieutenant. All right. Yeah. Let's move on to other topics. I forget what's on our list because that was the most exciting, but we've got yeah. lots more to talk about. Um, the LDS Church <laughs> like this week, <laughs> yeah, that was a good one, uh, comes out against the National Equality Act. Uh, there's concern here that this would ruin LGBTQ rights. The LDS Church, though, saying that they don't think this is a good one because it kills religious rights in this. Uh, Jim, what say you? Look, here's... Here's what we're talking about. You know where it says it is against the law to discriminate against people on account of race, national origin, mm -hmm. disability, um, all of those things. What this would do is put on the back of that, on the, the next line, or gay people. And somehow religious people, some, are somehow worried that by adding gay people to non-discrimination, it somehow religiously discriminates against them. Well, it's just weird to me. I just don't see the connection. Just, well, I can just are they writing the no, law wrong, maybe? I can explain the, the connection. And it, I think that I thought, I have a picture. Uh, it has all of us as ceremonial signing, where we put the religious liberties and the anti-discrimination uh, legislation together. I think what the fear, Jim, is that if discriminating against uh, the LGBT community uh, could be described as a, a, as a, a faith that does not believe that that is uh, sanctioned by God, then that could be considered discriminatory and it could, be, it could put them on the wrong side of the law. If we could, and I think this is the way Utah did it, and I'm very proud of what we did in Utah, if we could combine the religious liberties and the and even if it's just repeating what people think they already know but the the right to to worship according to the dictates of their conscience along with the anti-discrimination for housing and employment and everything else i think if we do it together and with one voice i think utah did it that way i think that would lower uh the defenses and people would be less paranoid i'm not saying that what I've just described would happen. I yeah. think that's the fear. And I think that let's, let's we should just that. work on that together. Let's follow that, the logical. If you use that as the criteria, that it's somebody's personal religious view will be affected by protecting other people from discrimination, why not use it against blacks? My personal religious view is uh, as I, apartheid, I as an in South Africa. And, and <laughs> therefore... Don't put that in the law because you're going to interfere with my religious freedom by saying, by taking away my ability to discriminate against black people that, no. or, or disabled. You say, that allows anybody Jim. to say it's my personal religious opinion, blah, blah, blah. And any bubba can then say, well, I'm not discriminating against you because you're a woman because I don't like women. I'm doing it because it is my right of conscience of my religion. That just doesn't, there, there is no you, I'll connection. Give you, I'll, I'll give you the connection in my mind. Um, and it's already happened uh, where we had uh, faith-based adoption services. Uh, you had the Catholics that had a very strong presence in Washington, D.C., where there were a lot of unwanted children that were born and needed to be placed in good homes. Uh, the LDS Family Services would do the same type of work. When the definition of marriage became more broad, broader than what these faiths would consider uh, a, a, a home in which they would want to place a, a child, they ended their efforts in that space. So you don't have 
faith-based family services as you once did because the definition of marriage is beyond what these faiths would define it as, and they don't want to be on the wrong side of the law. I think that's already happened. Uh, I think so. I think that the worry is let's articulate it very clearly. Let's make sure that there aren't consequences like that because I think it's a shame. If you have uh, faith-based adoption agencies, I, I don't know that it was the intent, but I don't know that it's a good thing. You want to be able to discriminate, you know? right? I mean, you want to be well, able no, to look at a great gay to. couple no, that Jim, is going to be I, I perfect parents in every way, and then there. you want to dismiss them because they're gay, whereas you get... Uh, meth-headed uh, other uh, straight couple and say we'll give it to them. I don't think me- that. I think the meth-head part would just totally reject them out of the out of the, the, oh, the meth part. Would have would, okay, I, the think meth I don't think it's going to work. But I'm I, saying like, just stop discrimination. That, that, that's what it ought to be about. That would be the ultimate goal. But what you're saying though is you're bleeding into those areas where people's beliefs within their faith could be seen as discrimination. And we, it is. We want to be careful about it, that. Okay, well, so step okay. out of that circle. All right, that's where we're going to go. So I all think right, we're not going to agree with All right, let's all just be nice that. to other human beings. That's like really what we want to do. But I think we could work something out. I do. I think we can I, work I, something out. I actually out. do too. Um, can we work something out with China? No. The terrorists have not... <laughs> I thought we were going to, so I'm very disappointed. I so. love that you're a hawk on this. <laughs> I, I do. I love that you are just a saber rattler. You are. I love it. They oh. haven't gone into effect yet, but they're going to. Is someone going to back down let, and an agreement's let, going to be made? Let me ask Let me ask the Utah Farm Bureau. Okay. The Utah Farm Bureau has conventions, and they have them every year, and they always send me the, you know, the list. The Utah Farm Bureau is the Republican Party, and they're not just the Republican Party. They're, There's no Democrats they're the, who are farming? There has us? never been a Utah Democrat <laughs> invited to speak, not as, just as a main speaker, but on a panel or on a group or in a, a given introduction. This is totally not just Republican, but Trump Republican, the Utah Farm Bureau. And I'm saying, look what this policy has done. It is devastating Utah farmers. It's already devastating or will It already has. So many of our crops. Um, the Mexicans now are finding brand new markets in Argentina and in Brazil. It isn't a matter of Trump playing his little games and then everything will be fine and everything will be happy. Markets don't wait like that. You can get, wait 20 years to set up a relationship and get that going with a country and markets. And then somebody's playing around for a year or two and people go find other markets. This is devastating. And I want to know when Utah farmers and when the Utah Farm Bureau is going to go, you know, this symbiotic relationship we have with whatever Trump wants, Utah farmers are screwed. But Jim, last week we talked about this and you were you were pretty skeptical about the, China and its uh, its intentions in terms of its negotiations. They and cheat. You were, yeah, you were a little worried about that. What... It, the status quo, I don't think, is serving us. I don't think that, that China's goods in, can come to this country without any tariffs at all, and anything we'd want to send over there Agreed. has tariffs, and I think there has to be an equilibrium. I don't know how you get there. I don't know that the brinkman. I think the brinkmanship that's going on right now between our federal government and the central government of China, it, it erodes goodwill, it wastes time and hurts our economy, and I, I, do, I do believe that we're not going to be able to ignore each other. There's no containment of these two countries in terms of the size of their economy. It's not like the the Cold War where you could you could actually try to contain the Soviet Union economically. So given that is the case, how do you get to that equilibrium? I don't know any other way than to say, look, if you're going to keep those tariffs high, we're going to raise tariffs. Can I suggest another it's way? It's the yeah. short term. Do you want him painful. to text the president? Do you have his number? I don't. 
Um, you got right. juniors somewhere. Okay, so um, I do have juniors. Look, the, the solution was there. Bush and Obama came up with it. They set up something called the TPP, which was all of the free market capitalist countries of Asia, nine members. They set up this special trade organization, and when they went to the table, it was with the Chinese. And it wasn't this bilateral arrangement. It was everybody sitting down and saying to the Chinese, look, you got to stop stealing our, our copyrights. You have to do this. You've got to open your markets. Trump, the first thing he did, took that TPP along with organized labor that was frantic about it. They ripped it up, and now we're there bilaterally, one-on-one, -on -one, instead of going with everybody. That was so much better an idea. It's a Correct me if I'm wrong, though. I was at the Democratic National Convention a couple of years ago, and I recall in the audience seeing a lot of say no to TPP yeah, that, signs that was, there. Th th half and of the party was against it, and half of it was for it. But there's only one, in my opinion, reasonable solution. You want to deal with the Chinese one-on-one? -on -one? You want to let them pick you off? Or do you want to sit down as a solid block with the Australians, with everybody in the region, and yeah. you sit down and you say, look, you guys... You do these things, or we're going to boycott, or I, we're going to do things. I think, the re I think the reason you've seen uh, a change is I don't think that there was satisfaction that TPP was making the progress that was needed uh, to see that equilibrium or see a more fair trade uh, climate. So I think that's why the president did it. I'll, I will say this. Spy games will happen. Um, you're going to have uh, you know, Russia that does it. You're going to have China, even the United States. I'm going to tell you, we the Shah of Iran, what we're dealing with with Iran today much of that you can point straight back to 78 and 79 where the United States was supporting the Shah and there was the people that are so Deck we in the 50s. so look the United States I don't plays any of its, that. the the, the <laughs> United States plays its uh, its uh, it plays its games and there are there's clan you know there's intelligence going on all over the world from you know from all of these superpowers let's put that aside I don't think our economies can survive without one another I think it's naive or I think it is reckless to imagine that somehow the United States will have trade partnerships around the world without China being a part of it, I think China would be as equally uh, cavalier, crazy, reckless to think they're going to now find all their markets. I mean, you've got the state of California that's bigger than, this, than Australia, so I mean, you're not going to find the, the buying power in a middle class like you have in the United States anywhere else. That's a good thing, actually, because they need one another. They need our economy, our, our economic relationships need to be strong. We need to have trade partnerships. That will, I'm convinced that's going to happen. Uh, I don't think that the way it's going about right now, obviously it's having its impact, as Jim described, but we can't be impatient. We have to get to a place that's better than this, what the status quo was serving us before. But I think it's inevitable. We'll have an agreement here. So, My prediction, there'll be an agreement. So you feel like President Trump's headed in the right direction? I absolutely do. It's I do. hard it's to be painful, patient. But it's, it's coming to the it's right place. It's hard to be patient when you think the bus driver's insane. I know. I know you do. But I'm telling you, I think there's a method behind all, right. all this. All right. We'll it was Bernie Sanders. Yeah. That had the noted TPP, right? A lot of people. All yeah. right. And he's got a lot of support right now. So it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. Exactly. It's a lot of Jim, questions. He, and he's lot to totally opposed to Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting him in trouble like with half his party. I'm just making that up. Don't hold that to Jim. I just I just said that. Greg. I know. All right. Uh, we've got to talk about this one because it has been such a big thing nationally. Um, abortion heartbeat bills is what we'll call them. Yeah. It seems almost like it's sweeping the nation right now. Greg, we'll start with you. Yeah. Some of these in Alabama, they're very, very strict, and I think even a lot of conservatives are uncomfortable with them. 
Are they going too far to make a point? Is this what they really want to see yeah. happen or Heidi, what? That is why people should listen to every word of every podcast we ever have. That's right. So important. we called the shot on this. Okay? If you remember a number of weeks or maybe over a month ago, Time flies we, we spoke about this when it was just Utah that we were talking about yeah. in terms of abortion bill, when a, abortion could be performed. And we made the, I made the point back then, Jim, Jim and I, and as well as you, we kind of talked about this. We talked about a pendulum. When, we, when the country began to hear uh, concepts like terminating the life of, a, of a, a fetus after it is outside the mother's womb, and it can survive outside the womb, but should it still be terminated, uh, that was becoming a political discussion. Yeah. And I think that is a pendulum that you see going far left. I think what you're seeing now with the abortion bills that are coming is an absolute reaction to and fear of how far outside of Roe v. Wade the political discussion began to be taken seriously. And that was not, you know, if it's viable outside the mother's womb, now it, there's no abortion. They were talking about, you know, I don't know what you call a baby or what. I don't want to make it sound too morbid, but after, if a baby could live outside the, the mother's womb, what, should you still be able to terminate, uh, you know, that that child's life? And there there were straight face discussions and 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 political arguments that you should be able to. In Virginia, and New York, I think is where yeah, that was happening. And I yeah. think that's why you see the you see a, a real it's recoil from that. that. Nothing ever passed that way. There wasn't even a committee but vote on that. that. It, it was, was just Fox News saying. I know, there was, but there were legislators who've been elected yeah, no, by even, their people. Even the governor of Virginia was office. talking about it seriously. All right. Anyway, we can disagree on that. Let's let's get real here. Utah had no reason to do what it did. There is all this is a kabuki dance that is going to end up before one man, and unfortunately for. People God? who believe in no. choice. <laughs> who are we talking about? Ah, God. But in this case, it will be God. I'm up? talking about Justice Roberts. It used to be a more moderate. Now it means Justice Roberts, who's a strong institutionalist. Yeah. And it's all going to come down. And, you know, it's also a good chance for a lot of Republicans and Democrats to rile up their people and, you know, get their email names and on lists and raise money and. This is all part of this kind of weirdness of the American that. democracy, but it all will pale. The Supreme Court will just sift through. They'll be deliberative. They'll take whatever cases they're going to take. And then when all the voting is done, very sadly, there, we all know how everybody will vote, and it'll come down to Roberts, and, and that's what will be decided. Care for you, huh? Yeah, no, that's what I mean. <laughs> but you, you know what shouldn't happen? Supreme Court justices ought not to be predictable, like politicians. He's I mean, not. they're not looking at um, political issues. They should be looking at the law and and well, then deciding. They and and they don't anymore, and that's bad. Oh, I think they do. Actually, I think that's how Roberts finds himself on other sides of issues because he's not. He, I think he is trying to take those. Actually, I think even Brett Kavanaugh had a, a surprising vote that a lot of people on the right didn't think he'd make, but. Uh, showed that he's taking these issues as they come. How about this though? The Alyssa uh, is her name. Alyssa Milano. She was on. She was the little kid on Who's the Boss with Tony yeah. Danza, right? Yeah. She's an adult now. She's, she's all grown a, up. She's, yeah, she's I see all her grown in Congress up. actually quite often in yeah, the audience. Yeah, she gets very uh, yeah. politically active. She has called, I think, for the Georgia legislation that was okay. uh, restrictive abortion law that was passed there for a sex strike. 
And she said, okay, every, all ladies, until these men quit telling us what to do, we're done here. How about don't tell the girls that they can't have fun How either? about, like, I think we called that abstinence. <laughs> we called that abstinence at some point. I don't know what, I don't Seems know what Seems irrelevant to me first. Anyway, I think it's a hilarious Second, is this just strike. for legislators or is this everybody? No, no, she's everybody. saying, she's saying all ladies, we're going to teach these men a lesson. That's what she's saying. And I think that is a hilarious, I think it was a, but it, you heard crickets you afterwards. That? She put that out there and I don't think anybody like, joined the cause. It was a funny, boring. it was a funny moment in a, uh, <laughs> in an otherwise wonkish political debate. So many fun things to say, but we try to keep this rated PG-13 at that least. That was a funny one. That was a funny that one. That is good. And all this talk of abortion makes me think of a line, I have to loop back to Spencer Cox here in his video that he released this week in running saying that our nation hasn't been this divided since the Civil War. Do you, either of you agree with that? I sort of feel like we're feeling that way. I don't have a bayonet, luckily, so I'm not going to stab any neighbors, but do you feel like we're divided or does it feel more divided because we get to talk about it on TV and social media? And I, I, don't, I, I fundamentally do not believe it's even close, uh, but I do believe that because we are a smaller world in terms of our communications, the world is flat, so to speak. I think we feel it more. I think we're more aware of, of uh, what goes on and, and the, uh, the bickering. I don't like what's going on in Washington. It seems that if you're a Democrat, there isn't a single idea that could come from a Republican that Democrats would support. I think it's the other way around, too. I think if there's, a, a, if there's an idea that Democrats like, that Republicans feel almost obligated to oppose it just out of hand. And I think that's a, a bad... Not a, a fun bad place shape. to be. But it's, I, I would not use it in the same uh, sentence as the Civil War. I wouldn't. This and I would be careful about talk like that because uh, I think we are... Look at the world. More people are read literacy. Uh, through the world just in the last 20 years is uh, is so much stronger. There, the starvation and the hunger that was going on around the planet is, is almost non-existent at this point. There are so many things that are happening, not just in our country, but in the world that are good, but we do really focus on the on the tension and the, and the controversy a lot. But I, I don't think it's the same. Had a great hour and a half. Nap? <laughs> no, that's the nice to be right now. Hey, thanks, Heidi. Uh, <laughs> and a great hour and a half in his den with Governor Levitt. Just recently? It's this week. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of wisdom there. There's a guy mm -hmm. who was a governor for many, many years, went back, spent six years in Washington, headed up the EPA and HHS. And he knows politics. He kind of, as I think, as good as anybody in the country, maybe. I mean, he really gets Washington and knows Utah completely. And he said, but, and this was in relationship between Salt Lake City and the rest of the state. He said, it's not uncommon. He said, you have a hardcore blue city, and then you've got suburbs that are more swing, but still pretty conservative. And then you've got rural, which are totally red. He said that there will always be this hostility between the core city, certainly in the rurals, and and that fight over the, the suburbs, which Utah Democrats have lost for the last generation. They just can't talk to the suburbs. But what he was saying is a lot of the issues we have now is we're clumped together with our clans. And if I got together maybe with some of Greg's people, you can't even believe we're in the same world when the <laughs> Mueller report comes out. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm going to Rachel and seeing what she's saying, and then uh, they're they're going to Fox, and we're feeding information. Somehow we got to have more camps where 
we're talking together and less on political podcasts and more on barbecues and you know around diet cokes and glasses of beer because we really are going to have to build this country back together again at least in, in that group it's yeah. true. i mean look at the real deals I mean, can, can i just so my son he's in ninth grade and he's learning about american history and and it's it's really uh, interesting to see the uh, our american history in the eyes of a young man who's 15 and just learning about it for yeah. the first time and when he repeats back to me dad they assassinated they killed john f kennedy and they killed martin luther king and then they shot and they killed bobby kennedy and you hear for the first time as he's hearing these things he goes that is so scary and i and i listened to my son and i thought my gosh, you know, we don't live in times at least like that. I mean, that is yeah. that is some pretty scary things uh, when you read about it, especially hearing my son talk about learning that for the first time. You, we've grown up kind of knowing those terrible things that happened, but as he's just kind of looking at the 60s and he's looking at American history, I, I do think that uh, we have lived through some pretty scary, scary times as a country. And so I would not put this as the, the time to that would be similar to the Civil War. I think that Jim DeBacchus can sit down with former Governor Levitt, Secretary Levitt, um, for an hour and a half and be friends and get information out of it. We can all sit down because... We're going to do yeah. it regularly. I mean, I, we need a lot more of this. You know, we, we've got to... I think as far as the city is concerned and as far as the state is concerned, the divides we have are somewhat peculiar than <laughs> other places. And we need to find ways to get LDS people talking to non-LDS people. If you've ever read the, the forum in the Tribune on anything, you realize that this divide is there. And I said that we need to, we need to begin working together and respecting each other. Yeah. You know, we need, and I come back to this because it's such a good example, but we need liquor laws in Salt Lake City about proximity and closeness to a park or to a library that fits all lake city not Each brigham city you know we're yeah. we're entirely different and that's all in the hands of the lds church and and frankly a lot of non-mormons need to recognize that this is the vatican for millions of people and we need to respect that and we need to 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 be more mindful and, and work together i think it goes both ways but that's a vision that we can do right here at home to have this kind of dialogue. I like dialogue. Before we go, though, um, one thing I think we can all come together on is wishing our best to Patrice Arendt, yeah. who today on social media told all of her friends and her family that she's actually been battling cancer for the last almost two years, multiple myeloma. I hope I said that right, um, which I believe is in your blood plasma. But she's been going to work. She's been at the legislature and says she'll keep serving her her constituents, which she has done well. So we wish her the best. So. We do. I, I love serving with Patrice. She has so much institutional uh, knowledge. She worked in the AG's office. She worked in ledge research as uh, one of uh, the legislative attorneys before serving in the House, even in the Senate, came to her senses, realized it was, uh, <laughs> was the a old and the slow, <laughs> came back to the House where we are the arena, and uh, love, love Patrice Aaron and uh, wish her the best. Oh, Patrice, you are unique, and that's not true about a lot of people in the legislature. She's unique, she's thorough, and um, you keep 
she hasn't missed one day as a result yeah. of this so two hope, years we of hope to see her around for a lot another longer. generation. Absolutely. Well, it's been fun chatting this week, and I guess we will all have to wait on pins and needles for I don't know how many months to see if we'll actually sit down with Greg Hughes, who may or may not be running, and Spencer Cox on the same podcast, talking about issues that matter, because we're excited about it's this It's a race. challenge, it Cox. It is a challenge. <laughs> Get Maybe over I'll here. shave. I better shave for that. Tell yeah. me you when should shave up. for Shave that. your head. Yeah, yes, so shave. you can be on the same balance. Get more clean I got cut. questions for both of them. <laughs> you do? Wow. Yeah. I, I, and you too, Ambassador Huntsman, or Netya Peruski at the Gavarit at the uh, Ambassador Huntsman. Plajolsta. We want the Russians that monitor this to tell the ambassador he's welcome to come on okay. the show, right? I've heard that Putin's a regular listener, so I'm sure he'll love yeah. that you spoke his language. He gets around. Big fan. He Big does. Fan. Well, thank you. I don't know what to say after that. Thanks for listening this week. We will be back next Friday again. Subscribe. It's the cool thing to do. Tell Sign your up. friends. Yep. Look at, see the, see the button right there in front of you if you're on television and right above you on the radio and you, so see where it goes, subscribe and then hit whatever thing you use, like <laughs> Scrobiate or Plockiate or whatever iTunes or whatever you, you're listening to. Those, those yeah, that was a compelling That uh, was pitch. compelling. Like, Have I, a I'm great signing day. up right now.